the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Monday, October 16th. Week six of the NFL season is nearly complete with the Cowboys and Chargers to go tonight. It's been a weird one. Um, you're going to hear a lot of talk about quarterback play. You're going to hear a lot of talk about injuries. You're going to hear a lot of talk about the lack of undefeated teams because of upsets. I'm going to touch on some of that today. It's going to be a two-part NFL segment. Let's talk about some of those injuries and the contracts that are associated with them. And then kind of hand in hand, let's throw out some trade candidates because Halloween is 15 days away. That is the 2023 NFL trade deadline. As you've heard me say quite a bit here, it's starting to ramp up. I think we can identify a few teams for sure that are at least going to be considering selling, offering pieces. Um, the Carolinas, the Arizonas, the New Englands, the Denvers. We'll throw some names out there and maybe some of those names can kind of go hand in hand with some of the injuries that we saw happen yesterday, which really kind of changed the landscape here. Let's get right into it. Let's talk San Francisco. Um, I think it's safe to say that injuries were the sole reason <laughs> that the 49ers did not have an offense in the second half of that Browns game. The Browns defense was relentless. Obviously, there was a missed field goal. So, you know, there are factors at hand here. And Brock Purdy looked the uh, average, as many quarterbacks would in that scenario, not just because of the lack of options, but whenever that kind of situation goes down, the whole team sort of deflates, right? It's uh, the game plan's got to get thrown out the window. There's a lot of changes that have to have to happen on the fly, and everybody's kind of kind of do their part together, and they almost they almost eat that thing out, which is kind of bonkers when you think about the pieces that have fallen off here. It wasn't a matter of if it was when with Christian McCaffrey. We, we just kind of know how this story is written every year. He's a violent, jukey, quick weapon that is completely suspect to these types of injuries. Uh, it seems like this was a an impact injury, the oblique. You have to think he's going to miss a few here just to kind of nurse this thing back to health. Thank goodness it's week six and not week 16 for their sake. Contractually speaking, we've talked about it quite a bit. There's still three years of term on this thing, all right? And it's 12-12 and 12.2. So there's an awful lot left. and. I don't think too many people are gawking at $12 million a year for Christian McCaffrey. So it's 12 this year. It's 12 in 2024. It's 12.2 in 2025. In my opinion, age 27, age 28, age 29, he's easily getting through 2024 at that price because of Brock Purdy's salary, because of some restructures you can do with Bose's contract and Debo's contract and things like that. There's really no, no reason to touch this outside of this, which is the annual Christian McCaffrey injury, unfortunately. I don't think this one's going to shelf him for too long, but you know how things can compound. So I'd be safe in assuming that McCaffrey misses a couple of weeks. They can kind of get through this, and he's right back on the fold for 2024, probably on this contract. You want to talk about a restructure? I, I guess we can, we can deal with that. But look, he's going to be 28 years old in about half a year here, about six months. So you're not trying to mess with this too much. I think the price is right. It's uh, It's been his adjusted APY for a while now. It seems to be working for everybody. I wouldn't mess with a good thing, especially knowing that you know, he's only probably good for 12, 13 weeks a year, and that's just the, the nature of the animal here. Debo Samuel has a shoulder problem. 
This one scares me a little bit. Um, he was ruled out immediately. This is obviously an integral piece to his puzzle. Um, obviously, you know, breakaway speed is his, is his game. But if he can't lift his hands and make a catch and fight for the ball in the air, it's going to be a problem. This might be more long-term, in my opinion. So good, good on him for being under contract here. There was a holdout situation. Really felt like yesterday. It was just a year ago now. He's on a three-year, $72 million extension. It's four years, about $76 million total. This is year two of that contract. So we're about, about halfway through this thing. And he is guaranteed through 2024 for all intents. Um, all $21 million of the base salary is now fully guaranteed. There's some per gamers built in there, which they'll get some cap credit for if he misses some weeks here. And there's a workout bonus, as San Francisco likes to do with everybody. So... For for all intents, he's eleven million and change this year. He's t- almost twenty two million next year, and that's his. So, again, same age as McCaffrey, about twenty seven and a half years old, going on twenty eight. Good contract status for twenty twenty four. Nothing that we saw here today is going to impact next season. Let's put it that way. It's it's just how long is it going to impact this season with McCaffrey and with Debo and. Let's be frank with Brock Purdy, who can't be touched until next until after next season, as we touched on in the last segment of the Spot Track podcast. Trent Williams, he's up there, right? He's almost 36. He just turned 35, I should say. So he's playing in his 35 age season. This is technically his last season of full guarantees. All right. It's a six-year contract for about 138 million. Half of it had guarantees. And this is it. This is the last run on that. So it's a three for 60. He's making over 20 million this year. Obviously, that's fully guaranteed as a vested veteran. Everything else from here is paid as he pays you go year to year. No early guarantees. Now they can restructure that a little bit. And by the way, they probably should. All right. Because yes, he's almost 36 years old and now he's dealing with an ankle injury. It is obvious when this guy's not in the field, he's still that impactful, that important. He's kind of a Jason Kelsey Lane Johnson type that we've seen so much in Philadelphia. When those guys miss time, everybody suffers on that offense. This may have been the biggest problem for, for Brock Purdy yesterday is just simply not giving him the time that he needed because he wasn't on the field. There's three years left and it's not, it's not like he's underpaid, right? The the sixth year of this contract was pretty fluffy at 33 million cash in 2026. So that one's sort of an outlier. But if we talk about 21 million next year and 23 million in 2025, it's good coin if I'm Trent Williams and I know my worth and my value and I know where I want to be, which is on this roster in 2024. I'm simply asking for a small, small part of this thing up front. And by the way, because of the $32 million cap hit, he's probably going to get much of this converted to signing bonus in March anyway. So that's plenty. But you got to make sure that some of this $21 million is get is either locked in or handed to him before that March, April to April timeframe so that you know you don't deal with some sort of training camp injury risk that gets him through this. But um, I assume that's going to be the case. So let's let's make it three for three. Three injured San Francisco players, all key cogs to this wheel, all should be fairly stable contractually in 2024 outside of maybe some cap conversions and things like that. But um, no impact going forward with these contracts. It's simply 
can they hold the fort down, get healthy in the next couple of weeks, get back on the field so that this team can look right? Because uh, again, to me, the most important or, or the most impressive part of yesterday wasn't the Browns winning. It's that the 49ers almost did. <laughs> That's, that is how deep this roster is. But these are, imagine any other team losing these three players in a single game. I mean, that's just uh, that's a death sentence. So good on them. It, I think it was a testament to who they really are. And if you don't don't have money on this team late into the postseason, you're probably too late. Although maybe these injuries help you in the, in terms of the odds. I haven't looked yet this morning. Probably not a bad time to get in on San Francisco because they were they almost sustained three of their gigantic core players missing the, an entire second half and almost snuck out a win against maybe the best defense in all of football. Justin Fields looks like he's going to miss some time. Uh, it's a hand injury. He couldn't grip a ball. Not a great sign. Um, I, I was ready to come on in the next couple of segments here and talk about the fact that right, this guy's really not the problem in Chicago. You know, he was, my God, dealt the worst scenario ever. You know, if you want Caleb Williams to to bitch and moan about going to the wrong scenario, this guy should be at the front of that conversation, okay? Because he was drafted to a team that simply was not ready for a quarterback. They, they, and they're still not ready for a quarterback, by the way. So all these mock drafts that have Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. 1-2 going to the Bears, phenomenal players. If you think those two players are going to walk into this roster and, and fix it immediately, you're just wrong. You just, it's just not how this league works, Okay. You can't even slap the best quarterback in football on a bad roster and expect them to win 12 games. This is not how this works. We've seen great quarterbacks flame out because there's no offensive line, because there's no defensive line, right? You can't sustain drives on either side of the ball. You have to be able to do the play, play the complete game. You have to have a deep, healthy, experienced roster. Then you can drop the quarterback in. And then by the way, then you can drop the Marvin Harrison Jr. in. DJ Moore didn't fix this team, and DJ Moore is a hell of a wide receiver. All right? You throw him on a contender right now, and by the way, they might. <laughs> they might flip him to a contender here. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. All right? I just feel like they are they're playing fantasy football instead of actual football, right? Fake GM versus real GM. So I, I'm, I'm just not in on this Bears roster, and I know I've had pushback on this. I've had people tell me I overblow this whole, you know, the quarterback can't fix it. You want to tell me Patrick Mahomes can come on this team and fix him right now? Great. He's Patrick Mahomes. All right. Caleb Williams isn't Patrick Mahomes. Justin Fields is not Patrick Mahomes. All right. Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver we've seen for the first three years, three, three and a half years in the history of football. Minnesota's in the basement. Okay. And yeah, he's not playing and Kirk Cousins is blah, blah, blah. I get it. One singular weapon, even the quarterback, cannot get a entire 55 to 70 man roster into the postseason. It can't happen in this league. There's too much parity, there's too much competition, and there's too much injury. You have to be able to be deep, you have to be able to be established, you have to be able to be experienced. And this this Bears roster is so far away from that, it's not even close. Okay. Contractually speaking, Justin Fields, um, it's not looking good. You know, he was probably not going to be in line for the fourth year extension here. Anyway, this certainly is going to damper that. They're going to lose a bunch of ball games. No question about that. They're going to be at the bottom of this thing in the ones and the twos and the threes in terms of wins. And uh, then we'll see. 
because it's 3.2 million fully guaranteed next year. They're going to have to decide on his fifth year option next May, May, 2024. Uh, that's a tough call right now. Cause remember that becomes fully guaranteed the second you exercise it. So if they get in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes or the Drake May sweepstakes, do you keep this guy? Or is this like a Baker Mayfield scenario where we're going to draft that guy and immediately trade our other quarterback? I, I don't know how they play this, but I think contract extension is the very, very last bullet on this item list for Justin Fields. Let's put it that way. Jimmy Garoppolo, two straight weeks, he's ended up in the hospital. Uh, there's obviously a situation with his back and his neck going on that needs to be attended to for a, probably a longer period. I, I expect Brian Horder, Aiden McConnell to, to make the next couple of starts here. And by the way, I don't think things are going to look too much different in terms of the Raiders who actually have a chance to be, you know, above 500 and compete here for a wild card spot down the stretch. If, if they keep this band together, uh, Garoppolo had lots and lots of injury things built into it, but it was all based around his leg, his foot. He passed all those physicals. So he's fully guaranteed now through 2024. All right. They, they basically converted a signing bonus into a two year guarantee. So there are big per game roster bonuses on this thing. Um, in 2023, I believe that's about, it's a million, it's 90,000 a game. And, uh, he's going to miss some of that. So whatever he misses this year, will get cap credited immediately for, for 2024. So there will be some cap savings in terms of that, but they knew this was coming. They structured this contract, not only with those per gamers, but like I said, with the past, the physical condition on the 34 million guaranteed, he has gotten through that though. So for all intents, this is a two-year contract. They can buy him out next year. And there is a, a roster bonus that, that's due the fifth day of March of 2024, excuse me, which is March 17th. That, that can be built in and, and bought out. So what they can do here is if they don't believe Garoppolo is the guy going forward, and then, by the way, I bet you it's trending that way in, in Las Vegas right now. You pay him the 24 and change this year. You pay him the 11.25 million or trade hit, trade that number and you get off that $11.25 million roster bonus. Very, very possible this happens. Um, he's an off-season trade candidate. He's an off-season release candidate. One of those two things. But we've seen teams buying out guarantees more and more and more in this league because dead cap doesn't scare anybody anymore. And uh, especially at this position, it's not crazy to think that Garoppolo may get $11 million to walk away from the Raiders next season. Trevor Lawrence is dealing with a knee injury. It seems like it's minor. It also feels like they may be very cautious with this because they have won a couple of games they probably shouldn't have. They're in a really good spot right now. They look good. I would slow play this, this situation back to full health. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence's agent, I'm telling him the same thing, by the way, because he is peaking at the right time. This is year three, which means after 2023, he is eligible for the extension. We've talked about this already. The market value is soaring on this guy. Uh, he came into the season with just about $45 million per year. Um, we're going to run that again here after week six. It's always a good time for us to rerun our valuations. And I can tell you right now, because of the Burroughs and the Lamars and the Herberts of the world, it's going to be in the 50s. And by the way, if it's next man up, we're going to be approaching 60. And he's on track for that. So let's not all get shocked and awed when... Real conversations about Trevor Lawrence making $60 million a year next March become reality because it's going to get there. He's on pace for that. 
the numbers look great. The, the poise looks much, much better than it's been. He is thriving under Doug Peterson's offense. And by the way, so are a lot of those weapons, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, and Travis Etienne looks like a real, real guy now, finally. So that's where we're headed. I bet you they still, still play him back to full health uh, from every standpoint in terms of in, including contract discussions. And, uh, and all signs point to big, big money next March for Trevor Lawrence. David Montgomery's dinged up again. Uh, man, that Lions team looks really nice. The problem is Gibbs and Montgomery are both kind of dinged up at the same time now. So can they withstand this for the next couple of weeks? We'll see. Um, it's a rib injury from Montgomery, which, boy, you might just have to suck it up and play through, but it's going to lower his production. There's no question about that. The running back can't handle that. That's why the McCaffrey stuff scares a lot of people with that oblique. It's just a, a very important part of the process for a shifty running back. So uh, Montgomery signed three for 18, basically just uh, about a year and a half of full guarantees all of this year and $3 million of next year fully guaranteed at signing another $2.5 guarantees next March 15th. I, I don't know why he'd go anywhere. This seems like a great fit. I don't know why the Bears ever, ever let him walk in the first place, but it's to Detroit's game, and he looks every bit the part especially in a one-two punch with Gibbs and a couple, of, a, a couple of the other weapons on this offense. So this is a two for 12 until it's not, in, our, in my opinion. He is stable in 2024. Ryan Tannehill limped off the London game. And uh, Malik Willis was not the answer. Let's put it that way. He's got an ankle issue. He's in the final year of his contract. He's one of the expiring contracts heading to free agency. I, I've heard the name floated out there as a possible trade candidate. You know, it's a $27 million base salary. So if we're talking about 10 weeks left, you can do the math over an eight-week eight week span. It's going to be about $15 million left of the trade deadline. All right. A lot. And the only answer to that is how much is Tennessee going to pay if they're going to facilitate a trade? And is this guy even healthy enough to trade? Right? Is this guy even healthy enough to trade? So now there's that part of it. I get it. Uh, especially if Minnesota isn't going to trade Kirk Cousins. Again, we don't see starting quarterbacks get moved at trade deadlines. It's not the, it's not a thing in this league. But if somebody's offering it up, or right, if there's another injury out there that happens in week seven, his name's going to be thrown around. There's no question about it. And Tennessee can buy themselves a draft pick by paying off, I don't know, 90% of that salary. It's probably worth it to everybody at this point in time. Uh, except for the fact that I'm not sure who the quarterback can be for Tennessee because a Tannehill's looked unbelievably inaccurate. Malik Willis looks like a deer in headlights still. And by the way, they've been telling us that out loud. <laughs> he looks like that in practice. So you're damn sure he's going to look at that in the game. And you know, the Will Levis stuff hasn't really come to fruition yet. So unless they're acquiring a quarterback back in the trade, which I guess is possible, I'm not sure that there's a fit for this team, um, but it's going to, it's going to be a name you hear if he can get himself healthy in the next couple of weeks. All right. <clears throat> there's plenty of more injuries to get to. I'm going to skip them for now. These were kind of the, the greatest hits from the last couple of hours, big names here, and it's going to shake up the trade deadline stuff. There's no question about it. Um, I mentioned some of the teams that I think will sell. There are some names out there on contenders. And by the way, contenders for the playoffs, not contenders for the Super Bowl, right? The Jets, the Commanders, things like that. They just have a surplus at certain positions that other teams definitely need down the stretch, right? The Raiders could get in this conversation. I, I don't know 
if Hunter Renfro has a role in Las Vegas, I feel like I haven't heard his name a single time. That's a name that probably can move. <clears throat> All right. We're talking about three and a half million to take on for the rest of the season at the deadline. That's a name that should move. We, there's, there's a bunch of Hunter Renfros out there. There's a Kendrick Bourne, you know, there's a Cortland Sutton. There's a, there's a, some Carolina players that I think could definitely move off of their roster as they bottom out for the 2023 season. But those are the kind of names you're going to hear. And, and I think, um, even the better teams that like the Raiders and, and surprisingly the Jets and the Commanders have surpluses, right? Somebody off that D line, Chase Young, for instance, could be moved at the trade deadline. They've already declined his fifth year option. I don't think he's a franchise tag candidate, though he's played much, much better so far. They can secure themselves a nice draft pick in Washington for Chase Young. And it's probably a mix of bad business, bad football happening at the same time, right? Because they're, they're in the race here. They're certainly in the race. Sam Howell is overachieving for what we all expected. He's holding down the fort. The weapons are healthy right now, knock on wood. And the D-line is doing their job, but there may actually be too many miles to feed. And we've known this for a couple of years now, and they've, and they've paid most of those miles. Jace Young wasn't the one that I expected them not to pay, but that, that appears to be what's going to happen here. So can you flip him to a Seattle? Can you flip him to any of the teams here that have massive injuries on their edge? Yes. Um, that would be a name that may surprise some people. I'm, I'm prepared for that. I, I could see Chase Young moving before I'd see Brian Burns moving, for instance. Carolina isn't trying to bottom out this roster completely. They're simply trying to not win games right now. Brian Burns is the type of player you pay even though your quarterback's not ready to win games. You don't have the offensive weapons to win games. He's the guy that you keep on the defense and start to build the defense around, just like you would with a left tackle, right? Uh, a starting center, that kind of thing on the offensive side of the ball. There's a lot of miles to feed, a lot of offseason moves to be made in Carolina, but I don't think you have to give up Brian Burns to do that. Now, if somebody wants to overpay and offer the, the, the multiple first-round picks that they were asking for, because they don't have first-round picks, remember. They had, to get, they had to get rid of a lot of picks to move up to get Bryce Young from the Bears. So the only reason I would see Brian Burns moving at this Halloween deadline is if they can recoup some of those absolutely top, top, top draft picks to really help them replenish the roster. Outside of that, I'm, I'm paying Brian Burns. I'm paying him. I'm keeping him. He's part of the plan, not part of the, the bottoming out process, which you can... You know, we've seen teams do both at the same time successfully over the past few seasons here. Jerry Judy's a name. Um, Denver is going to have a lot of options here. And I don't think keeping the band together is the one they're going to pick. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I mentioned Cortland Sutton. Patrick Sertan's been a name out there. Justin Simmons has been a name out there. I don't think Sean Payton wants to gut the cabinets too much. I do think Jerry Judy's talking himself off this roster. And he's probably not going to garner the draft compensation that they want at this point because it's just kind of a hot mess everywhere from every angle. But the contract's in everybody's favor as long as he doesn't demand an extension when he, when he moves, right? He doesn't really have that kind of power right now. But, you know, agents can say agent things. It's year four of, a, of, of the five-year contract now from a rookie standpoint. It's been exercised for 2024. So he's 10 weeks of a $2.7 million salary remaining, which is peanuts, right? You're talking about less than a million dollars here to go. 
And then it's a $13 million 50-year option fully guaranteed for 2024, which you can restructure, you can extend him out of, et cetera, et cetera. I think you want to see a two-year window on a new team if you're Jerry, Judy, and a new team at this deadline. But this is a player. You know, This is a guy, former number 15 overall pick, an Alabama wide receiver. We've seen these guys work out in the past. There's no question about it. I do think this is a, this is a if I had to say thumbs up, thumb down for who's going to get traded at this deadline, Jerry Judy would be a two thumbs up. I think he's going to move. And I'd put Hunter Renfro as a two thumbs up. I'd put Kendrick Bourne as a two thumbs up. Um, speaking of New England, they've got a quarterback problem. They have a weapons problem. They got a bit of an offensive line problem. The defense isn't quite there. Certainly the secondary getting banged up has, has just destroyed this team. Um, and Matthew Judon obviously was the start of this. He was the start of this demise outside of Mac Jones play. I don't know that Belichick has a tank in him. I just think he is, he's trying to grind out what he can grind out and, and save as much face as possible, but he does this. Okay. If he knows a, they're not going to pay a player or flat out this player isn't working. He will trade anybody. All right. He will trade anybody at any point in time, whether it's day one of the league year, two days before the regular season, or certainly in the middle of a season. So there are names all over this roster, you know, Josh Uche, Ramondre Stevenson, Kendrick Bourne, that I think could move. And I do believe you'll see at least one, maybe two notable trades out in New England over the next 15 days, not just because of the team they are, but because Bill Belichick knows that he has got to replenish this, this, this cabinet. He's got to do it. Um, he's, he came into the season with a defense that was good enough to win ballgames. So I'm not sure they're going to go crazy on that side of the ball. But A, you're either buying weapons right now, right? And, and trying to make this team better today. Something that I wouldn't put it past them. Okay. He's that he doesn't do normal things or you're certainly buying draft picks and trying to get yourself into a situation where you can load up on offensive linemen and offensive weapons. And Oh, by the way, probably a quarterback as well. So it's a really tough call because what I'm not saying, what a lot of people are saying is what happens if there's a coaching change? What happens if there's a GM change here over the next couple of months? Does this team just pause right now knowing that's coming so that the next man up can get in there and do his business, one of which may be purging the roster, one of which may be doing the moves I'm talking about right now anyway, just not now, but in the winter? It's super possible. Um, that's the element I don't know. Does do the New England Patriots want to give Bill, Bill Belichick the power to change this roster right now? Or is it a waiting game to see where this thing finishes in January? Then they have to make a decision on him before they can make decisions on the roster. So that's why I'm kind of limping into this conversation. I gave you some names. I do think Ramondre could move. Um, and there's some running back injuries out there right now impacting some contenders that could make, a, make that very interesting. And then we get to the Bears. Uh, the Bears should absolutely be selling some pieces here. Again, they're not ready. Should they be selling good pieces? No. So do I think... I keep seeing Jalen Johnson's name on us. Yeah. The Bills, the 40... Everybody needs this player, right? 
everybody wants this player. And I'm sure they're calling on, on an annual, on a weekly basis here. This is the kind of player that you keep if you're Chicago, okay? That's not what we have to be doing here. They need this plus other core players instantiated, getting used to this system so that whenever the next iteration of a quarterback and the weapons can come into place, they can do that. But I would not be trading these type of players if I'm the Chicago Bears. You want to trade DJ Moore, you know, uh, an experienced, almost aged out veteran? I'm perfectly fine with that. I know what they just gave up to get him. All right. He's got like a million guaranteed in 2024. It's nothing, right? He's got 16 million due, 1.1 million of it's guaranteed right now. So uh, you don't have to do much of this with anything. But if that player can flip you a, a strong draft pick so that you are now loaded up in this 2024 draft, whether it's for the quarterback, whether it's for all these other pieces we've talked about, to me, that's the best move. This team's not ready for DJ Moore, not even close. And you don't, you don't have to give Caleb Williams DJ Moore either. All right. You get Caleb Williams a running game and an offensive line, and then you you make him earn a player like DJ Moore in year two or three. That's the process here. So again, they're flipped on on their head right now in terms of how they've constructed this thing and how they've kind of carried it out. And by the way, that's what happens when you're flipping GMs and coaches every every couple of years like this. It's you get stuck in between phases you shouldn't be in, and they're in the middle of a phase they don't belong in right now, this roster. So DJ Moore is a major name on the trade block for me and it's expensive. So Chicago may have to pay some of this 19 million down, but that's going to be it. That's going to be the name that not, no one else is going to throw out there, but I'm uh, I'm anti bears roster. I'm anti bears contention situation, even for 2024. And uh, I think it should be somebody else's gain right now that a player like this should be available, even though they just acquired him less than seven months ago. So, all right. There's a couple names. We'll have plenty more to get to. Plenty of teams to get to after week six and week seven as we get down to about a week away from that trade deadline. You hate to see the injuries. The good news is, as I was doing the research and certainly talking it out here, I don't think any of the injuries that we saw today or yesterday or the day before have impacted long-term contracts at all. Uh, That's rare. You know, that's rare. And by the way, even if we go back to the Buffalo injuries and some of the other ones that are, that are out there right now, all the players that have been nicked up here should be pretty good for 2024. In my opinion, the biggest question mark, you know, is Justin Fields. But again, that was a question mark before this injury happened. So uh, that's the good news. Either there's a guarantee built into 2024 or the contract is in a good enough place and the team is in a good enough place where all the 2024 salaries associated here should be pretty rock solid going forward. So pretty good news. Again, it's early in the season. It's week six going on week seven. So if you got to slow play a couple of these players back an extra week, utilize a bye week to make sure they get some health. That's all still in play here, which is good news for these teams. Um, but look, the Philadelphia's, the San Francisco's, even the, uh, and certainly the bills. And we've seen that the past two weeks now have been impacted by early injuries. And uh, it's now a sustainability game. And for a few of those teams, it may be a trade deadline game as well. So some of those names that we've talked about could very well be hopping on to one of these top three, four, five teams in the league as we approach the midseason. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trade Podcast. <laughs>